Hello and welcome to Deprogram with Carrie Smith. This is a new channel. If it's your first time here, make sure you hit like and subscribe. I am very excited about my guest today. He is a comedian. No, no, it's me. It's me. <laughs> Wait, he's talking to me. I don't know if you guys can hear him. He's already um, talking to me. <laughs> I'm trying to be funny because whenever someone, whenever they're about to bring me up and they're like, oh, he said, this guy's hilarious and I always yell from the stage, no, no, it's Gino. And they're like, oh, and I can't resist that dumb joke. <laughs> But I'll let you compliment me because I'm very flattered. So go on. I'll shut up, even though I won't. You know me. Hey, guys. <laughs> <laughs> I stink. I stink. This is, this is Gino Visconti. He's a comedian. He's the host of In Hot Water on Compound Media. And he's a new friend of mine who I got to meet and hang out with very recently. Uh, my dogs are having a fight. I apologize. Uh, <laughs> Good. Good for them. You can hear them. This is a my voice relaxes wild animals, obviously, Carrie. <laughs> it's off to a great start. <laughs> I'm having more fun than anyone already. I don't mind. Thank you so much for being here with me today. Pleasure. I, uh, it's a pleasure. So we look, I'm here to interview you about you, your story, comedy, wokeness, but we can also just talk and have fun like we were before, before we started. Yeah. Oh, without a doubt. Like, I, I can't give you a better compliment than you came on our show in hot water and I've been doing 800 plus episodes and I still, I still can't tell you what it is. I don't know. It's, it's, it's an hour and a half, 90 minutes of us screwing around and, and it's just, it's, I hate to use the word organic, but it is, it's me and my buddy Aaron Berg and he's moving on. God bless him. He's got other things to do, but, but it's always us joking around and, and, you like we were I was attracted to you as a guest when when it's like when you used to be woke actually you used to be liberal and then you're like me like I wasn't liberal but I never voted I never cared and then you started to see what was going on and it was it was an awakening to what wokeness yeah. is but so we had you on the show but all that aside you're someone that's very accomplished and all this stuff and we have Frankie McDonald on and and this is something about the show that I'm proud of like Frankie McDonald is this YouTube sensation. He's on the spectrum, but he's such a sweetheart. He gets millions of views, but I always say this, and I guarantee you'll agree. I don't know if I've said it to you, but Howard Stern would get on Stuttering John, and he would take an idiot and make him look like an idiot. And, and even, even Artie Lang, who I love, would have on Mike Buschetti, and he'd make him look like an idiot. We get on this autistic guy, Frankie McDonald, and he makes us all look like pinheads. Like, he's so yeah. adorable and funny. And we showed a video to you of him, like, imaginary 50 hot dogs, and you got it immediately. You don't know our show, and you're like, what is going on? And you just took his side of it. You're like, well, Frankie, I'm not familiar with this part of YouTube. And me and Aaron looked at you like, this girl is great. She's you just because some people just get what's going on and other people are like, what is it? Are they making fun of me? And you're like, oh, no, no, no. They're letting this go. And you jumped on me and you like I'm a very loyal and you had me. You, you had me. at You had me not at a low, but you had me. And I'm not familiar with this part of YouTube because that <laughs> that's like what a good on air person is. And Frankie still remembers you and talks about you. And it's and oh. that's and that's how we got to know each other. But I'm the same way. Like we. We make fun of like we make fun of everything. And and that's what that's what the best part of it is. People are taking themselves way too seriously now. You yes, know? Your show's fun because I don't it's do a lot stupid. of silly <laughs> yeah. comedy shows and I really enjoy them. Actually, I don't know why people don't ask me to come on more comedy shows. I it's outside my 
uh, element a little bit, which is great because I get to try and stretch a little. And the, you know, sure. you, like, you had these different guests on and you're doing all different bits. It, um, in a way, it made me think of, well, you mentioned Howard Stern, but like morning radio. And yeah, that's good exercise for me. So I really, I'm gr very grateful well, you had me on. Uh, well, one, two, you're very welcome. One, thank you. But that's the other thing I said about this content weekend we did. Because, and you saw, like, I, I was so flattered you were happy to see me, but right back at you. It was such a great group of people. But the fun part about Content Weekend was, is you're very good at what you do with this deprogrammed and everything, and I'm very good at mine. But it is like, it's like a giant, it's the streaming, the live stream was like a giant podcasting improv group where it's like, all right, now Carrie and Gino. Okay, now Carrie's going to get up and, and Ashton's going to sit in. And you were just doing different things with different people. And it was it was so good for the muscle of whatever the hell we're doing. Am I right? Yeah. You're talking to all different kinds of people and people yeah. that, you know, that I, other than you, I mean, obviously and Chrissy who invited us. Incredible. I don't, I don't think I'd met many of those people before. So yeah, it was, it no. was really fun and it was fun just hanging out and talking. And, and uh, I said, like, I want to have you on the show. I want to talk about your story and comedy. And so can you tell people who you talked about, you talked about your show a little bit, but tell people about you. How did you get into comedy? Were you always funny? Were you that kid in school who was making people laugh or? Yeah, I was always funny, but, and, and, and watch this. I'll, I'll take it a different direction really fast to pay a compliment. There's a girl that just passed away. Her name is Sarah Doms and people in the comedy world knew her because, and this ties into to what I'm saying, because she was, a huge fan of comedy, but so many women, God forgive me, so many people in comedy, men and women are like, oh, I'm funny. Let me get on stage because I like laughing. This girl, Sarah Doms, she would write for the Interrobang and she would hang out at the comedy cellar with all the woke people. And then she was at the Comedians of the Compound with us, with us guys in Chicago. And, and no matter where she was, she never said, I should do comedy. She would write about comedy. She would just try and let people like share how much she loved watching comedians and she was always smiling. And I'm, and I make fun of this whenever, uh, like Gilbert Godfrey just thought I worked with them a lot when I was at Caroline's because they, I it, like, he was a good guy, but they put me on the show with them. But I hate when I just find it disingenuous when people put up a picture. Oh, look at me. This is me with Robin Williams. Yeah. I'm sure you guys go way back. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. And I, I don't need you to ride onto that. But, but I was so blessed because a friend of mine, Stacey Pressman, a, a female comedian, she's like, when Sarah died, we were all talking about it. And she's like, I found this picture and I don't take pictures of people. And it was a picture. It's, it's the only one I've ever put up on my Instagram of someone who passed away. And it's me behind her, just nuzzling her because she was smiling. And two other comedians, Ari Shafir and Joe Bartnick were in the picture. But that, that's someone who loves comedy, you know, and too many people are like, I, I'm funny. Watch me get on stage whenever. And this, and I wanted to give a shout out to Sarah, but when I was younger, I've always been like this. I, I'm, you know, me Carrie, off stage on stage. I'm the same guy. You're the I same really guy. I really like people. I don't take it for granted. Those four idiots in that picture, my mother, my father, my, my uncle, that like I grew up laughing and people always say, were your parents funny growing up? You don't know if you wake up every day, God forbid, and your dad punches your mother in the face, you think that's normal. And thank God I didn't have that. You know what I mean? My mother and they were very powerful, crazy Italian women. They're insane. But they, when, they never let us take ourselves seriously, those four. And so I've always been like this. So 
to get to your question from three hours ago, we're out of time. This was great. We'll do it again. Well, <laughs> then you laugh at my stupid jokes. You're dumb. But I mean it. So, but I mean it. Like, like whenever I did something dumb, my mother wouldn't be like, "Oh, oh you're stupid." She was like, "That was good. Do it again, stupid." And and even now, and I'll I'll delay the serve one more time because, and we'll get to this. Just like all the friends, and not real friends because they're not. I've lost during COVID. My mother would always be like, you think everyone's your friend, Eugene. That's where, And I'd be like, yeah, everyone loves me. She's like, okay, stupid. She's like, you'll learn who are your friends, you know? And I've learned as the time has gone on, but I- That's great went, advice, by the way. Yeah. yeah. And she'd always be like, you'll learn. I'm like, what do you mean? Everyone likes me. Okay, stupid. You think everyone likes you? She wouldn't say no there. Okay, stupid. Everyone likes you, dummy. But, uh, oh, sorry. I hit that. I hit that. I'm, I'm, to quote Frankie McDonald, I'm here. I repeat, I'm here. But whenever people would say to me years ago, they're like, they're like, you should do comedy. I would always say I could never be funny on purpose. You know what I mean? Like, I'm very good in the moment. But I never thought I could be funny on purpose. So then in the late 90s, a girl I was seeing at the time, I'll never forget. She, I'll never forget. She calls. Did I lose you? Uh, she your, called, ca your camera just turned sideways. Call, I okay, there you go. There so you go. I, I get a call at work. Excuse me. I'm at work and my girl at the time goes, Hey, what are you doing? Whatever, August something. And I go, nothing. And I think she's going to take us out to dinner. By the way, that was my co-host, Aaron, calling. I'll get to him later. Uh, she goes, what are you doing? I'm like, nothing. I think we're going to go. She's like, all right, I signed you up for an open mic. And this, and I had this conversation just yesterday. Josh, no, Sean Latham was on. And he said the same thing. He started, it was the same thing for him in Tempe. So I'd lived in Delaware. I know, quit bragging, Carrie, eat your heart out. But I'd lived in Delaware. Just what do I say? Just me rubbing your nose in my success. I've lived in Delaware for 10 years. So I knew everyone. I bartended in Newark where I went to college and then Wilmington where I was banking. And, and so I do the first night I ever get on stage. There are, I'm not exaggerating, 100, maybe 150 people that know me. So I get on stage and I literally go, oh, look at this glass of wine. Oh my God, this guy is, and I think I'm hilarious. You know what I mean? Yeah. So I kill, I, I, I kill for 30 minutes of nothing, of reading a book. And I think I'm a genius and I'll never forget. Like, I think I'm so funny. And, and a year, God forgive me, a month later, I go to Philly and I bring my girlfriend and like three other couples, friends, because I think I'm hysterical. And yeah. I do the same set in front of, ready for this, people that don't know me. And nope. you're just going to believe this. <laughs> you're going to believe this, Gary. I ate my fucking ass. Like, I, did, I got on stage an old woman. And it was, and I realized this in hindsight. It was in that moment that I realized. It wasn't in that moment, but in hindsight, I realized whether I did or not. If it, if one, I thought it was easy as I thought it was at first, I would have never done it again. I'm like, anyone can do stand-up. And two, I was humiliated for taking it that lightly. And fast forward without wasting your time, that was like the mid-90s. I moved up here in 2001 because I was living in Wilmington, Delaware. And I always say this, like Philly is a great city, but it's not great for comedy because it's, in its defense, it's too close to Manhattan. And no one that's serious about comedy is going to be like, let me stay here 90 minutes south of Manhattan, you know? Right. So it's no one's fault. And there's, there's so many, let me tell you, Shane Gillis, Matt McCusker, they, they, they're down there and they love it. My, my friend Lee Lamette kills it down there, but that's what they want to do. But I, after a couple of years said, if I don't go to New York, I'm full of shit. And I loaded up my uh, VW Golf, drove up here and I waited for the other shoe to fall and fast forward 21 years. It was 21 years in March. And 
I say this now and we'll skim over code if you want to get to that. I'm thanks to me just, and we talk about this. We're the sum of everything that put us on these two little screens in this, you know, in this zoom right now or stream or whatever. And I realize I'm having more fun now on stage, Carrie, look at me when I say this than I ever have in my career. And that's because I've gotten so good at just like, I I listened, you know, who said it, David Mamet, what? Well, you've gotten so, uh, you're having so much fun now. Why? Is it related to the past two years or? It's, it's related to me not compromising who I am. And I'm not trying to sound like some hero, but it's just like, I, I realize now that I, I always say this and I'm not full of shit, Carrie. It's like, we're the sum of who we are and we become that. I am behind the desk on the show, and you've seen me, as I am behind a microphone on a stream yard or on stage. I just want to have fun and let everyone have fun. And I've done that with the show. Like, In Hot Water is me. I'm like the straight mo more than anything. Don't get me wrong. I'm very good at what I do. I'm a big fan of me. Um, what's the line? Sometimes I get up early to spend more time with me, you know? But <laughs> I am on stage now, and I'm just making everyone have a good time. I did a show, like, a couple weeks ago at a little club uh, LOL Comedy Club in New York on a on a Wednesday and Carrie, I had three different people in the crowd say fuck you to me, but I don't mean in a mean way, like a buddy, like you would say to me if we're joking around. I called some guy like an immigrant, he's like, fuck you. There was a cute little blonde chick in the front row, and I do this joke, oh, uh, and it's look, I'm sorry, it's a great joke, and it, it ties into cancel culture. And I say, I've told you this. Anyone that's trying to cancel Joe Rogan, anyone that's like you can't do jokes about race or religion, they're the same people that wanted to paint over the Sistine Chapel because they don't believe comedy is art. And I do a whole bit on it, but at one point in the act, there's a cute little blonde chick in the front row with her mother, Carrie. You can't make this up. And I'm busting her balls and I'm hitting on the mom in front of the daughter. All that silly little, you know, high school shit I do. And at one point I, I do a joke about Picasso's Guernica. But I don't say Picasso, I say the Guernica. And I look at the blonde and I say, eighth grade's coming up. You're gonna learn about this soon. And the little blonde girl says to me from the front row, fuck you, I know who Picasso is. Now, Carrie. <laughs> yeah, Carrie, that's funnier than anything I've said in my career on stage. And I just ate it up. I lost it. And the crowd went nuts. And there's not an ounce of insecurity. I'm like, she, even though she said it, I'm sitting on stage like, you know me, Carrie. I'm like, I'm the greatest man that's ever lived because I facilitate that much comfortability between a room full of strangers. And, and that's what I mean. With them. Care, can I, can I ask you a question? Let me, no, let, I'm let very me, busy. Yeah, I can't allow say, it. No, no. Me, you didn't tell me you'd be asking me questions. <laughs> I could let you keep going, but I, I want to back up for a second. Please. I want to ask you about you, something you said towards the beginning. You said, you know, you were the same person off stage as on or off camera as on. Yes. Which is true. Yes. In, my, in my experience, you are. I, that's yes. also, in my experience, that's a little unique with comedians, at least the ones I've worked with. I've worked with many who were different off stage, um, and I can name a few that I've met who I thought they were the same on and off. But on the whole, a lot of the comics I worked with were more introverted off stage. They weren't the funny oh, yeah. person hanging out. They were um, sometimes dealt with depression and things, and they weren't. And and so is that? Do you find that to be? the case are you an anomaly are you someone who are is that something i don't know that- what i am but i know that 
I'm, uh, I'm, I'm, I'll like, I'm going to sound like a, a, a fortune. I know I'm my best self and let me make it dumb now. Cause, because when I got up here, like who, who's your, I will tell you my favorite comedian in New York. I think the funniest guy going, I'm just curious. Who's your, who's your favorite? Not this. I hate when people go, who's your Mount Rushmore? Who's your top three? Who do you like the best? And it could even be right now. I'm not quizzing you. Cause I'll tell you who mine is. Honestly, I haven't listened to. Don't it. say Gino no, no. Visconti. You embarrass me. I'm it would like, be go on. Mr. Gino Visconti. I haven't listened. <laughs> All right, that's to our it. show. Okay. So since I quit working in the comedy world, I haven't listened to a lot of stand up. I think maybe because right. it made me think of work or my old life. Um, but I used to uh, top of, as soon as you ask the question, the first thing that comes to the top of my head was Bill Hicks. I like <sighs> his. I I, his, my guess was Dave Attell, but Bill Hicks is amazing. Go on, go on. Well, I liked his routine about, um, well, I liked so much of his routines. The part about um, he wants to do a reality show where they hunt down Billy Ray Cyrus and kill him. <laughs> was that him? Wasn't that him? Yeah. yeah. And then yeah. Uh, and then he's got the bit about how he said, this is politics in America, you know? And it's like, I like the puppet on the left. Well, I think the puppet on the right is more to my liking. And then it's like, hey, wait a minute. It's one guy holding up both puppets. It's amazing how far ahead guys like him and Carlin were. But this, and this is to answer your question from before, David Tell, in my opinion, is the funniest comedian bar none. And I'm not trying to sell you anything. I could listen, because this is another thing that goes on in comedy now. What were you going to say? I want to hear. I actually have not, I don't think I've ever listened to David Tell. Okay, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to say four words, skanks for the memories, okay? okay. It's an album he put out in 2000 it's on spotify and i could listen to it carrie i could listen to it 30 you know my highbrow comedy what what is, what is it it's not lowbrow it's <laughs> unibrow but it, i could listen to it 30 straight times and laugh just as hard the 30th time it's just it's like i talk about this in when i'm on stage like we're being overtaken and you know better than anyone it drove you from what you did it's not about comedy or laughter it's about clapter oh let me clap because yes. that's safe and harmless Yes. But I do stuff on stage where people, I know I'm doing well, people are laughing like this. And, and it tells album is why, what am I, why am I? And that's the comedy that, that fucking heals you. That, yeah. that is a visceral healing effect. And the other thing I always say is, and then I'll get to why I, I brought up a tell, but, but when I was like young and I bring up my family again, I grew up in a Norman Rockwell painting. Youth is wasted on the young. You don't know, but I've realized how happy I am. I have one brother who's a year and a half older. I talked to him all the, I talked to him an hour today. He's insane. I mean that in the best way, but he's great. You know, he's my best friend in the world. And, and I grew up laughing. So, so when you hear these young kids that this is another thing that goes on, they like, when I got up to New York, I wanted to hang out at the comics table at the cellar. And it was Bill Burr and Patrice and Nick DiPaolo and oh, Jim I Norton. Like, I like, yeah. Patrice. I like his bit about, uh, uh, how he wants to have a sexual harassment day where guys the titty me. Can I just yeah, say yeah. your titty me? He's a genius. <laughs> he was a genius. And, 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 and I would say, I'll never get called over by Carson to the, to the table. But one time we were hanging out at the cellar at the bar. Cause I wasn't passed at the table. Uh, I was past the cellar once. It was a great eight days. And then I pissed someone off, but I said something funny and he's like, come over here. I got called over to the comics table by Patrice, which is my Johnny Carson thing. But now that's not what hangs out at the, the table at the cellar. It's all these, it's all these kids that break and don't get me wrong. They're funny, but they, they break down comedy. And, and that's, that's what kids you said. Like, you mean, Oh, I couldn't wait to. 
You mean they break down comedy like they're destroying it or, or they're, they're making it about clap, clapping instead of laughing? Is that what you well, mean? No, I, I, thank you for making me clarify. I just mean they sit there and analyze comedy. Oh, and they think okay. instead of busting each other's balls, they sit there and they're like, well, well I remember when Cosby and, and you'd always get these kids like, oh, I couldn't wait to get to, to get a Carlin's album or Pryor's album. And I'm always like, I didn't need to go get comedy albums because I would sit there and watch Mad, 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 Mad World with my parents. Indulge me with this story. It's got nothing to do with every, anything, but I love telling this story. This is how nuts and how, like, I do jokes about domestic violence in my act because my father doted on my mother and he respected her. And it's laughable for me to think a guy would ever hit a woman. But and that's why it's like funny to me. And, and this is how nuts my dad was about my mother. He was a farmer. He would farm 14 hours a day and he'd come home. And this is the mid 80s, Carrie. And my mother, the chick on the far left, would say middle of July, Carrie, would say, I want to watch White Christmas. OK, this is I the love White Christmas. I love it's the greatest. It's yeah. evil. You're right. You, and it's so it's the middle of July. It's the middle of July. And this isn't you can't watch it on Netflix. My father would get get off his easy chair, get in the truck, go to save time, which is like a wall or like where that had like video rentals. He would rent White Christmas. He would come home. We'd watch it. My mother would sit there saying to me, oh, baby, they don't make movies like this anymore, <laughs> sisters. And we'd watch it. The next day, he'd get up at 6 o'clock, go to work, drop it off. He'd get home. And the next day, you know what my mother would say? I want to watch White Christmas again. So my dad would get up, get in the truck, go get it. And we'd watch it again. And, and you're telling me I need to rush out and get Cosby's new album when he would sit there and he's like, your mother's insane. You're not going to go. I'm not stupid, Eugene. I'm going to go get the movie right now. And, and that's what we did. We laughed so much growing up. And I, I, I took that with me. And then to take it all the way back to your question uh, from three hours ago, I am off stage the same way because I love David Tell. I, he's a genius. Louis C.K. is brilliant. But I remember years ago, I said, I don't, when I would hang out at the cellar and see them, and I, I'd be on shows with them, and you'd get on stage, they wouldn't talk to you, and they wouldn't not talk to you because they didn't like you. But they're geniuses that are thinking of nine jokes down the, like, you know what I mean? They're in their head, and it's, it's a brilliance. I want, I want nothing. I don't want any part of that, but they're geniuses. You know yeah. what I mean? Geniuses and a lot of, and, a lot of uh, introverts in comedy, I think. And that's great if it works for you. But uh, I'm a one drink pony. Did I do you a long who, joke in the past three minutes? What? No. Uh, you know who I met or I worked with for a brief time uh, on a short film we did we did together that I produced with a, a different client was Baron Vaughn. He's the same off stage as on. You know, he's, he's a really good yeah. dude. Yeah. yeah. He's always on. He's always funny. He's, Not to be confused with yeah. Theo Vaughn, who's a great dude. But I used to work with Baron Vaughn, handsome, handsome, but a, a, a colored fella, as you say, but a handsome son of a bitch. I love Baron <laughs> Vaughn. <laughs> I do. I, I used to Let's do shows about... with Baron Vaughn ages ago. I love him. Let's talk about that for a second. So do you, have you ever felt, given the change in culture and the change in how it's affected comedy and all this woke stuff infiltrating where there's just a lot of clapter and not laughs and people trying to play it safe, have you ever, ever felt pressure to censor yourself? I have not. And I've, I've been pressured without getting into what's going on on my show right now. But I, I, I've said this before. This is, you can't sit there and try and cancel Joe Rogan for all the N-words. And I hate saying the N-word literally because it's an embarrassment how 
you want to if if we if we uh, what is that? Jesus Christ, it's an old phrase. If we forget the past, we're doomed to repeat it. And when I do a joke using that word, you know, and people are like, oh my God, it's like no, no, you're giving power to the word. I've said this before. If I take a hammer and build someone a house. Wow. If I take that same hammer and murder a homeless person, highly recommended if you're in New York, plenty to spare. If I do that, it's a murder weapon. But people yeah. will sit there and literally think they're intelligent when they are becoming a slave. A slave is someone that is controlled by something. Am I right? I, let me so, make this so, point. Let me illustrate your point just one second for anyone who missed this analogy. I see what you're saying. It depends on how the hammer, what, how the hammer is used, just like it depends on how the word is used. Words right. are like anything else. And if you were raised right, you were taught to use every word, every action, every everything for good. And I don't know if I can say it, but the joke I say in my act, and you can bleep it, I say the first person, and, and I walk through everything. I'm like, it's, I say that about the hammer. I say the greatest thing you can do is make someone laugh. I, I say, I, I talk about how COVID, the only thing they really prevented was you learning how to prevent COVID. They didn't prevent that, excuse me. They prevented laughter, and laughter relieves stress, releases endorphins, physically heals you. I read an article, that, and, and, and this is what I learned during COVID. Everything I read, it wasn't like follow the science. It was just common sense. And the most important thing about laughter, when I say it, if you don't know it already, you'll be like, yep, laughter reduces isolation. You yeah. can get on an elevator with a complete stranger I do it, and, and say something stupid and share a laugh with someone you'll never see again in your life and just feel a genuine warmth and feel a connection and feel a gratitude for being alive. And that's what David Mamet said it. It's a simple statement. Without God, there is no gratitude. Did I say that to you when we were hanging out? Yeah, Give him a message yeah. of that. Without God, you can't have gratitude. And, and they took all that shit. And I walked through the act and I called people out. I'm like, and if you fucking, if anyone tries to stop you from laughing now, knowing how it healed, that's a hate crime. And the joke I always say is the first person ever to say please was Thomas Jefferson. It was the preferences of a Z Harmony profile. And I'm telling you right now, <laughs> It is a stupid, brilliant joke. And when people are like, that's racist, anyone that's, that's a litmus test, and that's and like, that's racist. You just let a word take the greatest thing. You, you let the, the N word rob you. Oh, that's going in the act. Hold on. But I'm not kidding. Right. You know what I mean? It's like, you, yeah. and they're like, yeah, but you said the word, and you're not allowed to say the word is bad when you're an intelligent human being. And yeah. that's what people say. Like, yeah, but you said the word. Stop it. Stop letting them win. And this is what goes on. They, they let a word divide us. And I know you know this because you, you, I'm sitting here telling dick jokes, Carrie. You left a job, a high paying job because you couldn't put up with it anymore. That's balls. That's balls. The, the, I'm sorry. I'm just thinking about, I will have to bleep that word. But please, but they'll not oh, bleeping, bleeping is even funnier than cursing. So I love that you're going to bleep it. You know what I mean? But, I, I'm sure your fans will be like, I wonder what he said. I wonder. <laughs> but the, but your point remains. And, and I just want to underline kind of what you're saying there. They're giving that word so much power. They're keeping it. They're, they're, they're imbuing it with so much historical racism and they're keeping it that way. And they're actually trying to create new words. I don't know if you've noticed, but have you seen these lists? They they write on things like BuzzFeed and stuff where it's like 25 words and phrases you didn't know were secretly racist. And then they oh. re, 
they re-imbue these things like phrases like grandfathered in or cakewalk. And then they're like, don't ever say these because they have racist etymology that you didn't know about. And it's like, well, it's good that we don't know about it. And that's not what it means today. Why are you and trying to make them racist? And don't, and don't you think it's like, uh, not whatever it is, bait. it's like, let's see how many people, isn't it becoming that, let's see how many people buy into this. It's like the COVID thing. Let's see how many people, when they used to be like, 10 people or less at Thanksgiving dinner, no one's getting arrested, but let's see how many people actually listen for the next time we pull this horse shit. Am I wrong? Right. People, well, I don't know. I I, I tend to think, Oh man, I know a lot of people woke up because of COVID. Well, I personally know some people who they had their red pill moment because of the past two years. But then there's other people who maybe, maybe the majority who I think will just go along with anything. And that's frightening to me. If you, if, <laughs> and it really is. If it, it really oh. doing this on my cell phone because I'm a big star. Um, so everyone's sideways. <laughs> but it really is the old phrase if you stand for nothing, You'll fall for anything. And, and I, I say this in my act, like COVID, we, we live in a simulation, Carrie, because I, I thought I was thankful and I thought I had gratitude before I met you, like before COVID. Like, I think I created COVID so I could realize, like, if you look at in hot water pictures, like from two years, like when in hot water in, in 2000, before COVID hit, I was, uh, it was a morning show. I'd have fans come in and I was drinking like, and I don't like, don't get me wrong, I still drink that. He likes a beverage. My dad used to have three at breakfast. Boy, could mom take a punch. But I would never get sold. But I would have like, I would sit there and drink during the show and then go across the street. And, and then when COVID hit, and this is like, it's like we couldn't drink at the studio with fans. They shut down the bars. And this is where you get this like, and so I stopped drinking. I just stopped drinking. Why? Because it was no fun to drink. I'm not the guy that's, I sat in this apartment with bottles of wine and whiskey and didn't drink for seven months because it was no fun. And people are like, why don't you drink in a Zoom meeting? What, 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 so sit alone in my apartment and drink yeah. looking at my phone? No. And, and I found intermittent fasting and I lost 30 pounds. I'm in the best shape of my life. Oh, and good for you. And it's, but, it, but, and, and that's great. But my point was I got off topic because I couldn't get enough of me. But it's like, I always say to people, uh, I said, like, were you ever stuck in traffic and people went up the side of the highway and you said, I hope they get caught. That's what I did during COVID. And I didn't. I kept doing comedy. I believed the narrative for the first four months. I lived in New York. I would call my brother every day because I remember them saying 95 percent of us are going to get COVID at some point. And I'm like, well, I'm going to die because I'm over 50. And I believe I never had a reason to doubt the government. And four months in when they said hydroxychloroquine is evil, that was my like it could kill you. That was my, that was my, that was my red pill moment. Because let me tell you something, Carrie, I used to date a girl in Wilmington, Delaware, so many lifetimes ago, and she had lupus. Lupus is the most autoimmune of autoimmune disorders. Your body attacks itself. She was this skinny, frail girl her entire life. We found out she had lupus and you know what they prescribed for lupus? You know what they prescribed, Carrie? Is Hydroxychloroquine. It? I didn't know that. Well, okay. And you know how often you have to take it? Every single day. Do you know how long you have to take it, Carrie? For the rest of your life. And this is 17 years later. I know where she's got a kid. She's traveling the world. But the government wanted us to believe that if someone like you or me or someone obese or someone that's, you know, not doesn't have COVID, but if they take it for two weeks, Carrie, they'll die. That's a lie. 
And that's when you start doing your research. And it's not about reading the data from the CDC or the liar. It's just what makes sense. And when people say, well, you know, vitamin D cures it. And people are like, then why are people dying? Well, because vitamin D is a fat-soluble vitamin. So if you're a fat fuck like 78% of the country, it takes 10 times as much vitamin D for it to dissolve in all your fat, you pig. And they're like, well, why are minorities dying? Well, because uh, let's say that you you were born and raised on the equator and every day you walk out into the sun and your skin says, I don't need a lot of melanin because I don't need to make vitamin D from the sun. And then you move to Manhattan or even South Carolina and you walk outside and your body's not making vitamin D. Yeah, but... But that's not what the science says. Now, that's what common sense says. And, and I just read it, and I never wore a mask, and I never got vaccinated. And now my co-host got the, got the fucking Johnson & Johnson, and don't you know he's in the hospital with, like, a brain bleed nearly? It's, it's almost like the J&J vaccine is the blood clot vaccine. And it's like, sorry, sorry, I begged you not to do this. And, and this is what goes on. And we sit there, and I, and I look at myself – in, in, in what is it? It's already friggin' April, even though the weather doesn't say so, the weather. And I'm like, I just am lucky that I listen to myself and I trust myself. And I was raised to ask questions. And my mother said it. And then I'll take a breath for the first time in three minutes. My mother was a teacher 42 years. And you know what she would say, Carrie? She would say, when this, and she loved it. She taught third grade and fourth grade in the 70s, 80s, and 90s when teaching was a fun job and they didn't ruin it. And she said, kids, whenever the schools get money, they give it to the stupid kids. And now, you know, we have Carrie and you, I'm not trying to convince anyone, but I'll tell you, you can't convince me. Otherwise three generations of people that were taught to, 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 to listen, agree, not ask questions, take a star for saying mass saves lives. I quoted a doctor and that's what we have now. And they think obedience is intelligence and it's yes. a waste of being alive. Yes. Yes. I, I was someone who until very recently, I thought public schools were a great thing. I thought, of course, the government should provide education for everyone. It just made sense being a liberal that that that's something that everyone has access to and that's something our tax dollars pay for. But in the past few years, man, I have really started to question that because I think the government schools are doing what you're saying, which is kind of just training kids and how to be compliant. Yeah. And we're teaching you how to go into the working world and continue being in cog. Like here's a lesson where you learn how to sit as a, as a first grader for eight, eight hours, you know, in a desk and under fluorescent lights and getting yep. you ready for the working world. And I don't know, I just, you know, add to it all the ideology stuff that's being pumped into classrooms. Now I'm starting to think that at the very least we should be putting a, a lot more, uh, importance on parents' decision, like if they want to do private schools, if they want to do some kind of homeschool collective. Um, but but yeah, that was a real mind flip for me because for the longest time I thought public schools good, you know, public health care good. And now I'm like, yeah. why is the why am I trusting the government to do this stuff? Maybe it's not I, their domain. I had no opinion on it, and I went to my mother was a public school teacher, but again, seventies, eighties, nineties. My mother too. Mm, that's all like it's amazing and, and I bet she loved it you know what I mean like it's and my brother became a teacher I could never do it I don't have the patience and then he became a vice principal but um I was in public school for just two years and then my mother pulled me out and put me in a put me in Catholic school so I was in Catholic school 
third through twelfth uh, grade, and and I remember my mother put me in an all boys high school, and I remember like being like, oh my god, I'm not gay, I don't want to go to, and I look back in hindsight, I can't. Like everyone should go to an all boys and all girls high school. Your hormones are raging at that point. The last thing you need to do is sit next to a hot shit. You know what I mean? <laughs> it's like I get it now. That's why I'm so smart, doofus head face. Um, <laughs> but I mean it. It's like I look back. I, like I, I'll say changed, it again. What's that? Have you changed a lot of opinions? Like I've changed a lot of opinions over the years. I mean, now it sounds like you you kind of appreciate Catholic school now. Looking back on it, are there other things that you? As you've I would older. say, I would say, Carrie, I just developed opinions, not so much changing because I never paid attention to anything. Like I talk to my friends now and I, I talked to a friend yesterday, my buddy, Tommy, another comedian that I lived with from 2000 and I'm going to say four through 2010. And he's another guy like these. Oh, it's a fun thing to do where you just make fun of Biden in a group text and you can always ferret out the liberals because they'll make a joke about something or bash Trump. And it's like, that's not got anything to do with it. And this guy, don't get me wrong, he's, he's not as lib, but he's more lib. But I, I talked to him on the phone, I'm like, Tommy, we lived together seven years. We didn't have a TV. Did I talk Fox or, or download CNN? No, I'm like, I've developed these opinions and they all started when we were at Compound Media and we were doing the election special 2016. And I'll never forget, you can watch it. It's still online, compoundmedia.com, which is where we do all our shows, me, Chrissy Mary, our dear friend. And, and we were doing the election special and I was asking questions. I was, what was this, 2016? I'm a 47-year-old man and I'm asking questions and Nick DeBall's like, do you even live in this country? I'm like, I don't pay attention. But what made me snap was when, when Hillary Clinton loses, and Rachel Maddow was like, this is like when Hitler was elected. And they're crying. And I'm sitting there. Like, I remember when Obama got elected the first time. And I'm like, he should get elected because he, he took in Biden. And, and I knew nothing about politics. Not like I do now. And I'm like, it was so obvious that McCain's like, all right, well, since they have an old white guy as a VP, I'll get a young chick. And, and Palin was an idiot. And it's like, they, they're so embarrassing. And then the Dems did the same thing. Like, Rachel Maddow, this is like when Hitler was elected. I don't know if he ever read a history book. But when his, yeah. Hitler was elected, before he did that whole kill the Jew thing, he was Times Man of the Year, and he brought them back from a recession. No, no, this and, and people believe this horse shit. And that when it was, that's when I started to form an opinion. Like, this is wrong. You know, this yeah. is, and people just sit there like on a fish hook. Uh huh. Uh huh. Uh huh. Yeah. Orange man, bad. It really, and there is such How a thing. Go. How can you, how do people use comedy to, why is comedy a good tool? Because I think comedy is a great tool. It's the greatest for, tool. For it's... breaking through people's um, brainwashing or, or their, their unquestioned opinions that they've hold, like their received opinions that maybe they've never investigated or, look, or looked at. Why is comedy such a great tool? Because I would say in some ways it's a litmus test, Carrie, because if you can't laugh at yourself, you can't be saved. I, and I'm not trying to sound dramatic, although like you get these people like that, that, that's nothing to joke about. Everything is something to joke about. The Holocaust couldn't happen again. Not with these gas prices. What? what <laughs> no, it couldn't be like. And, and the people that don't laugh at it. Oh, I, I have so many jokes about the Holocaust because 
I backpacked through Europe with some friends once and we went to Amsterdam and I'm the stupid tourist that wants to go to the Van Gogh Museum and get weed. And these girls are like, you want to go to Anne Frank's house? I'm like, that's in Germany. And they're like, no, it's not. It was in Amsterdam. I'm like, I'll go. I'll go. And then you go and you're fucking just worried about weed and art and chicks and you sit in a room and all the adjectives fall away and suddenly you realize Every Holocaust, every genocide, every war is just humans letting humans kill other humans. And you're disgusted and you and and you make it your life's work, whether you realize it or not, to help people take the terror and sorrow and ache from that and disarm it with laughter. And other people are like, well, you can't laugh at that. You can't. You can't. And I feel bad for you. But don't ever don't ever take joy from someone. That's that's a sin. That gave me chills. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Okay, I'll do another Holocaust joke. What do you want, Disney to make a movie about the Holocaust? Nothing rhymes with Auschwitz. Not even Mickey Mousewitz. That's my new one. I got to tell you. It's it's so dumb. And it still makes me laugh because Mickey Mousewitz... It's dumb. Carrie, it's dumb. I'll look at my brother and like it's a dumb joke. He's like, is it Gene? Is it a dumb joke? And then my nephew will go, let me explain. I get the joke, Nick. It's dumb. But 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 what else are you gonna do? Sit there and let it let it fucking cripple you? Sorrow kills. It it it, it it's a cancer. When, when I had um so one of the comics I worked with uh, who I managed, we, I produced a late night show with him called totally biased. <clears throat> and it was a thoroughly woke. Show. Kamal Bell. Yeah. We and lo- I, I didn't mean to call him out, but I like Kamal. Uh, like, I, I mean, I know that show, but go on. Great comment. And I was thoroughly. Yeah. I still think he's very funny, even though. Yeah. Yeah. He's gotten a, even more woke than, than when I worked with him. Oh, I, see that. I, like I've, I've, I've bumped into a lot of Chuck nice is a brilliant comedian and I'm not outing him. I love him and I hate him because he's nicer than me. He should be called Chuck nice. Bumped into him for the first time since COVID. Very woke. Very right. woke. But see, some people. But he's the kind of guy I'm like, be woke. I love you. Go on. Come out, Bell. I interrupted. Well, what happens, I think, at these acceleration points in history is that uh, when things get this upside down and this crazy and dystopian, people go one of two directions. And I know a lot of people who just doubled down and got more woke. And it, the opposite happened for me. I left it. And so yeah. that that's kind of what happened. But anyway, when we did the show, I was thoroughly woke. It was a thoroughly woke show. And we had yeah. a whole segment on um, whether it was appropriate ever to tell jokes about rape. And the consensus for all of our woke writers and hosts and me and was that, no, there are some, some things you should not joke about. And I was so wrong. I was so yeah. wrong. Because why do you think saying, you were why why do you think you're wrong in hindsight? Because what I said, because you need to be able to disarm the, the sorrow, right? Yes. Because what is it a Mel Brooks quote that says uh comedy is tragedy plus time? Yeah. I do a joke about rape saying I don't rape women because my niece is such a fast runner. And then I say, You gotta take a side on that joke. Am I bragging <laughs> about how fast my niece is? Or just saying but but yeah, that's what it is. And and people that just they focus these people want, they want sorrow. They're, invi- they're, they're, they're choosing it. When you give them an option and they don't see it, the second you say rape and they key on that, th- then I don't know what to do, but it's a litmus test. I, I know I've said that before, but that's a word I use a lot now. Like w- when people are like, oh my God, there was a headline, pregnant women need to get the COVID booster. I'm like, this is a litmus test. You read this and you either say, 
Yeah, they do. Or you're, I was horrified when I read that. Yeah. Horrified. But it's a, everything nowadays is a litmus test and comedy is as well. And, and I don't, like, it's what my mother said. It's like, you have enough friends. And I am so lucky now that I've lost so many people to COVID and they didn't die, but I lost them. And I can't, uh, I can't, I, I can't sit there and be like, look, I, I, I know you want to shut down the world for the week, but I can't, I can't. And, it, you know, and this is what I learned from it, you know? It's a, there's a Bible verse about the, the wheat, separating the wheat from the chaff. And I think that's what these times are doing for a lot of people. Everyone I talk to who's awake, they're losing people. But and, and I lost people when I left wokeness. I lost more people during the past two years, the lockdowns and, you know, disagreeing with me on that. And but it's a blessing because you're you're left with the people that are valuable. You're left with the wheat. You know, yeah. it's like and you don't know sometimes until you go through through something like that. Well, you're, I'm going to pay you a, a weird compliment, but I think you're good at God. You're good at it. You know, like I went to Catholic school and I definitely, you, you heard me, I said it. I think it's the greatest phrase ever. You can't have, if you don't believe in God, you can't have gratitude. And, and I believe in both. And I don't go to church on Sundays, even though I was raised Catholic and I was an altar boy, but I walk home from work and there's a church on 66 and Lex and I pop in whenever I can for five minutes and say, thank you. And there's a lot of stuff in the Bible that I, that I, you know, that I hearken to, but I'm not good at it. There's certain things that I'm just good at. You know what I mean? Like, like there's, like there's philosophical quotes that, that give to a higher power. And I, I'd love for you to see my new act because I, I reference God in it a lot. You know what I mean? And I don't mean like I'm a preacher, but although the greatest comment I got recently was like, you could be a cult leader. I'm like, thank you. <laughs> but I do, I do jokes where I say the only thing that brings us together are tragedy and natural disaster. And I said, and that's God. Whenever we get too caught up in the adjectives, white, black, Jew, Christian, Christian, Muslim, gay, straight, Actually, I say, I don't care if you're black or human, gay or normal. It works. People, <laughs> it's so stupid, right? But, and you'll agree with this, Karen. This is, this is my faith in God. Even though I'm not good at religion, man, God takes a chunk out of the world. He just takes a chunk out of this big blue marble. And suddenly he goes, hey, I didn't put any of these lines on the earth. Let me just take a chunk out. And all people want to do is help their fellow human. Do you understand? Yeah. That's what yeah. they want to do. And yeah. then I turned it into a stupid joke, but it's true. And, and, and the opening line is I make jokes about the Holocaust, but what really happened? The whole world invaded Germany, killed Hitler. Germany's been a beautiful democratic country ever since, you know, and it just goes on till a stupid punch. But that's, and I talk about that, you know, and I'm like, I'm like, without God, you're not going to have any of this stuff. And, and people that don't believe in a higher power tend to be assholes. And I don't mean yeah. God necessarily. I don't care Sometimes. if you worship them. Yeah, if you don't believe in, but because you think you did all of this, and I wake up every day waiting for someone to walk through my door, being like, "You can't get away with this anymore. You yeah. don't deserve to wake up and pay all." I'm not rich, I'm not famous, but you pay all your bills, telling dick jokes, and hanging out with your friends and family. I do. Yeah, this should be illegal. This should be illegal. Yeah. What I'm doing, Gary. You you're know, farm, but I don't farming, take it for granted. You're right? Farming, you're farming laughs. So you're yeah, farming, you're farming laughs. I um. I think you are good at God, you you know, because we, when we were hanging out in the Poconos, the content house, some people I can just easily have conversations with about any manner of subjects. And you're one of those people. You were talking to me about the big guy. And big guy. Yeah. Uh, he just, he's got my back. I wake up every night. I'm like, why are you doing this? I'm an idiot. Now nah, you're doing great. 
You're doing great, buddy. I believe that. Yeah. I do. It's a great feeling. Yeah. Um, my mother, so- like my mother would always tell me stuff and, and, and I, and that's the other thing you either believe, like, I know my mother, they passed away. I lost my mother when she was, uh, when I was 27, my dad, when I was 26, they literally, it's like, I don't tell anyone this, but, but my father was a farmer. He got lung cancer and he was in the hospital. This is a true story. Okay. I took him, he was in the hospital. I went to pick my father up and took him out of the hospital to put him in hospice. And I drove my mother in that same ride because she had leukemia. So I drove my mother to the hospital, took my father out. And for two years, for two solid years, I spent my time cursing God and telling him he was a piece of garbage. And then you realize everything happens for a reason. And then you just beg him to forgive. You're like, I get it now. I'm sorry. I wasn't paying attention. I get it now, you know, and nothing but gratitude. And, and this is the thing I say about my mother. She was a teacher 42 years, Carrie. And she would go to work singing and come home singing. She died a year after she retired. And if you tell someone, they, most people, yeah, they retired, they died a year after they retired. That's a horror story. My mother loved her job so much that, that it's almost like, hey, what, what am I going to do now? My husband passed away. And I get it now. And that's what I do now. Like, I love everything I do. It's, it's insane how blessed I am. And I learned that from those four idiots, you know? Yeah. It sounds yeah. like you had a great, like you paint a really great picture of your, your childhood and of your mother. So it's the alcohol. <laughs> <laughs> Let me ask you a question. Uh, what do you, I like to ask this to people in comedy because I have my opinions about it, but I'm curious what you. Yeah, think. but you can ask me too. <laughs> uh, nothing. Six, nothing. My cat's not even laughing. Six, I need this. All right, go on. <laughs> what do you think? Uh, what's the future of comedy? Of comedy and also this country at large, like, what do you think is going to happen? Where are we headed? I, I don't know. I think comedy and the entire world, I, I will say this, and it's, 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 I don't want to say negative, but it's like, I don't think we'll ever have a president again on either side where half the country doesn't hate them until right. people, right? And, and like, until people, here's where I, here's where I hope we're heading. Like things like Rogan and, and, and all these people are getting sick of social media and the censorship. And, and I saw twice this week, young kids calling out the left saying when they called out and said, what is going on? And I think the world is, is, is evolving towards podcasts and their own facts and all these websites that are like getting banned. They're going to keep coming forth because you can't, I'm going to tell you Bible girl, but you can't silence the truth. The truth is a living, powerful thing, Mm -hmm. and it will find a way. And the people that quit and the people that are lazy and the people that just want to follow a narrative because it's easy for them to do, I'm not going to tell them what to do and and do as I say, not as I do, because I lose my mind like an eighth grade girl, no offense on Twitter and social media. But the people are going to keep getting what they think they want in these things that mean nothing. And they're going to get acceptance on social media, which means nothing. But I get behind a desk four days a week and get to talk to people. And I said this to you before we started, it's the best thing in the world. These like, I don't know what TikTok is other than something that that's stealing all our algorithms. And you do one video, they're like, you got a million follows. You didn't. They just, China just wants you to keep doing those. But we know who our fans are. And they will tell other fans. And whether we get five followers or five million, that number of people are listening to us. And we want to listen to them. And I, 
I send these these COVID stickers out and thank you letters to the fans and people like you handwrite them all. I'm like, if you told me five years ago, let alone 15, I'd have to send out over a hundred letters to my fans. My fans? You think I'd be like, I don't want to do that. Oh my God. I, I handwrite everyone with my handwriting. You made me take that. And like I enjoy every second of it. And that's the world is heading wherever we choose to go with it, but but it's 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 out of our hands, the shit that's going on. Like I'll, I'll be honest, I got rid of all cable and Carrie, don't tell anyone. Me I still I still watch Fox News on YouTube. I do. I fall asleep you- to Tucker Carlson. It's a night <laughs> and, I, and I sleep like a baby listening. Good evening. I do. I'm a mess. Look, my cat's trying to escape. She's trying you can't get out. She's trying excuse me, Carrie. She's trying to you're in Texas. She's trying to escape. That cat, Carrie, that cat, and that's like, like, I could have the shittiest day over. I could, I could kill, God forbid, eight children. I'll come on my cat and be like, this guy's great. And I believe her. She's like, this guy, this guy's great. This cat thinks I'm great. Like, and we talked about this, like that cat found me. The universe sends you things. And this yeah. cat, like I've had her since, since uh, September, 2018. And and oh my God. She, and I tell my brother, it's like that cat's insane. I'm like, that cat is keeping your insane brother. He's like, oh, I know. I know we need the cat, but I love that cat. And I, I don't take it for granted. You know what I mean? I had the pleasure of getting to see you do comedy when uh, the committee of the compound, you guys came to Austin. My husband and I went, it was so much fun. And I was shocked, first of all, because like I said, I haven't been watching a lot of stand up in the past few years. And well, if you saw I, me, you still haven't been. <laughs> boom, boom. I, Thank you. But I was shocked because you guys were doing the most unwoke, taboo stuff. And it was so funny because I th- I always think it's like, you know, whatever you're not supposed to make fun of at the moment, that's what's funny. It's it's, yeah. it's poking fun at those sacred, those sacred cows. And so it was such a funny show. But in your bit, you talked about your cat. Would yeah. You, would you share that story? Is it, do you, is it too I- long? We don't have to uh, the the st- like I tell the story of how I found the cow, but I put in all these stupid jokes. Like like I it was like a I, I, I this is what I say, and it's that religious aspect. I'm like, if you are positive and on the right path, this is the way to, and this is what the future holds too. To answer your question, it, this is what if you're positive, like, uh, and I'll look at a guy in the front row, not HIV positive, sir. But if you're positive. Like, and, and you will draw in other positive people. And I say, that's how I came to be the proud owner of a cat. And then I'm like, what could go wrong with a joke about a kid and watch this? And I say, this is true. Like when my aunt Olga was sick and she lived till 92 and, and, and the opposite of everyone else in my family, 92 died in her home, surrounded by family. We should all write her ticket like that. But I was raised right. And that's another thing that always got me about COVID that I'll get to the joke. They're like, oh, the funeral homes to quote excuse me, the uh, nursing homes, to quote Kevin Brennan, great comedy, he's like, no one puts Nana in a nursing home to rehab her for the 2020 season with Brady. You understand? You've quit on that, okay? When my father got, when my father got sick and my mother got sick and my uncle got sick, we, we literally, I drove back and forth from Delaware because that's how we were raised, okay? And these people that put their parents in a nursing home, why you, I can't be bothered, okay? But so when my aunt was sick, I'm going back and forth and I'm subletting an apartment in East Harlem, eat your heart out. So one day I go home, Carrie, and some woman is screaming from across the courtyard, right? And I watch a lot of SVU. I think I'm going to see a good rape, right? Like there could be a bad rape. So I go to the window and 
This woman is screaming. And before I can say, I'm like, what's wrong? She's like, there are kittens down there. And before I can say a word, a voice from above, not Allah, voice from above, could be Allah, Indian guy on the third floor. I don't go up there. It stinks like cabbage. But he says, he's like, I have a cat from the last litter. This cat has kittens all the time and abandons them. So the woman's like, they've been there all weekend. I can't get to them. Can you go down the fire escape? So I go down there. Allah comes down with a huge box and I get down there and there are five kittens, four black ones. They're not doing anything. And, and one white, what? And, and then I go and one white kitten. And then I go, and then you look at all the nervous white people I'm like, what? I'm like, and one white kitten nervously clutching his wallet. So I, so I pick him up one at a time. And as I'm walking away, there's a sixth kitten, six. There's a sixth kitten and she's meowing like crazy. And I pick her up and I'll take all the dumb jokes out of it. But this is what happened. She clings to my neck and the guy looks at me and he doesn't say you're supposed to keep that kitten. He's like, he's like, he doesn't say you should keep that kitten. He's like, you're supposed to keep that kitten. And I say, and I love kittens. I've cats. I've had one my whole life. And I go, I'm not, I'm subletting. I don't know what I'm doing. I'm not. So I put the kitten in the box. I go up the fire escape. I go in the window. Uh, the guy has to go a floor up. So he shoves the box in my face and I, and he goes, are you sure you don't want one? They're just going to go to a shelter. So Carrie, I look in the box and the four black kittens are so cute. They're huddled around and they're eating a bucket of chicken. They got a bucket of chicken <laughs> and the, because they're black. So thanks for explaining. And, and, no, I, I swear to God, I stole that from my nephew because whenever I do a dumb joke, he's like, let me explain the joke. I get your uncle's joke, Nick. But but all kidding aside, the, the, the five kittens are doing their thing. That cat, my cat, my cat is on her hind legs and she's like, get me. Oh, she's like, get me the fuck out of this box. She's like, do you live in a what? Get me the. And I pick her up. And she clings to my neck. And it's, again, it's God. It's the universe. It's just believing in, in things being sent to you. And I'm like, I'm supposed to keep this cat. Mm-hmm. And, and I'll never forget. Like, I'm living in an Airbnb, you know? And, and all the passes away, like, two months later. And I'm like, I can't have this cat grow up here with strangers and stuff. And I start looking for a place. And I find this place, which, hold on, let me give you the tour. There, you've seen the tour. One, two, three rooms. Woo-hoo. But I, wa- I walk in. And I'll never forget. I'm like, this is perfect for six. She can run back and forth. There's light at both sides. And I've made so many decisions in the past three years because of this cat. And otherwise, I don't do anything. And I don't mean I don't do anything, but but I, I don't need a lot. And, and I make like this weekend, you know, what we're doing this weekend. We're going to Vineland. We're going to Aunt August's house, which we still have and hang out with all our cousins. So someone can run around in the yard and chase birds. It's her. She knows who I'm talking about. Are but you guys going to watch White Christmas? i watch white christmas and i'll tell you something else about white christmas like like when my parents uh got sick towards the end i was down in delaware and i'd go back and forth but my brother was living at home he's a year and a half older but he couldn't get a job as a teacher he did after that but he was lucky he didn't realize that he got to live with mom and dad in their last good years but he paid me such a cop we were talking about white christmas and I told him that story. He's like, he's like, I never watched White Christmas and Mom and Dad. He's like, I'm like, what? He's like, oh, no, that was yours and Mom's thing. And I'm like, you're giving me this? And it was like, so. But again, my brothers, no matter, like, I, I tell you, when I, like, the last time, I broke up with a chicken in, in 2013, and I just let her take everything. Well, not take everything. Like, we split up. We're still friends. She's married. But I put all my shit that I wanted in a car, lived, didn't live in my car. And I don't mean that as, like, a humble, as false humility. It takes, if I had to live in my car, I would have moved like somewhere else, you know, like to Jersey. Mm-hmm. But I put all the shit I needed and lived out of my car, would go back and forth. 
And I'll never forget one time. And my brother is the most supportive. Like, when I'm fucking up, don't get me wrong. You know, those two years when I was a mess, like I, my brother said, I've known you my whole life. I don't care what anyone says. I've never been this worried about you. But when I was living out of my car, he said to me, he's like, I don't care what you're doing. I've never seen you happier. You're doing stand up. You see the kids all the time. I love hanging out. He's like, he's like, I don't care. I'm like, I'm living out of my car. He's like, good, good, good. He's that guy. You know what I mean? He's that guy. And, and, and I didn't choose that. The universe gave me that. Am I going to act like I'm like, so I knew to stay close to my brother because he's a better person. No, I don't deserve. It's just forced down my throat. And I'm like, thanks. Um, thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Can you tell me uh, at the end of my interviews, one of my, one of the questions I've been asking people now is uh, to get, because sometimes we talk about all the stuff going on in the world gets kind of down. Although with you, it didn't because you're making me laugh the whole time. But <laughs> tell me what um, something that's giving you joy right now. It gives me joy, as goofy as this sounds, to know that I'm not full of shit. And, and, and I don't mean to make it personal, but... I always say I'm here because the word I love using now, Carrie, is reps. Like whenever someone's like, like Bobby, our buddy Bobby, comedian Bobby Tambor is great. He works at Compound. He's, I didn't even get this compliment. He's like, he's like, no one is as good as you are, Gino, at running with blinders on. I'm like, what do you mean? He's like, you don't care what anyone else gets. I'm like, I don't, I don't. And I said to him, Bobby, not that I didn't used to, I have 53 years of reps. And I'm not good at being jealous. I'm not good at worrying about other people. I'm good at, and I'm not good at saying, let me go from point A to point B. I'm great at sitting at point A and saying, let me enjoy every second of this and point B will come to me. And, and if I ever doubt that, then you know what I am, Carrie? I'm full of shit. And everything I just said in the past hour is a lot, but I'm not. I'm not. I wake up every day saying, I can't believe I get to do this again. And I can't believe that all I want to do is make people laugh and not take themselves seriously. I don't want to be Carlin. I don't want to be a tell. I just want you to be, I just want to be in a room of people and make sure everyone in that room can laugh because I'm there. I mean it. And I'm not trying to win some prize. And, I'm, and I'll tell you something, Gary, I'm fucking great at it. I'm great at it. And, I, and, and when I'm not great at it, I'm full of shit. And I want people to be like, look at me. I need you. I don't. I don't. And when I tell a joke that bombs, to quote my mother, try it again, stupid. The first time... <laughs> I told you that story. The first time I did comedy, it was great. But when I bombed in Philly, we were driving home because we'd always stop in Jersey. I'm sitting there at the, at the, at the Italian table for, with my mother and a couple of my friends. And she's like, how'd your show go, baby? And I go, I bombed. And my mother doesn't go, oh, baby, they were wrong. She walks up to me. My friend Kathy, God bless her, still says it to me. She walks up. She's like, oh, tell me the jokes you bombed with, baby. That's what she said to me. That's what she said. Oh, tell me the jokes you bombed with. Not like they were wrong or I bet you were funny. Tell me the jokes you bombed with. And that was, it's like, that's how I was raised. And, and she, I just she run kept with that. It real. She kept it real. Oh, she was the best. She was the best. You are, I'm going to throw one more Bible thing. An alcoholic. I'm tired of you Never. saying that. <laughs> you are What's able. That? We don't need to listen to Carrie. No. no we don't. No, we always. You're able in the Cain and Abel story. I think I, I think. Tell me that again. I love that story. Well, I don't remember if we talked about this in the Poconos or not. But you Jordan, mentioned it when we were sitting outside freezing trying to smoke cigars. That uh, Jordan Peterson, he did, uh, this was in the, I think the 80s or 90s. It's an old lecture that I watched on YouTube called Tragedy versus Evil. And right. he talked about how the Cain and Abel story 
even if even if a person doesn't believe in God and they don't believe the story actually happened, that you can still get value from it because it's an ancient story. It survived all this time. What does the story mean? And he says it's an allegory for two different ways of being in the world. One way of being is like Cain, where you're resentful and arrogant and entitled and nothing's ever good enough. And you're looking at your brother and you want what your brother has and you don't make the necessary sacrifices for what you want. You're not grateful and you end up in a murderous rage. And then you've got Abel who makes all the sacrifices, who is grateful, who is humble, who is, is you know, um, living the exact opposite way of Cain and is blessed because of because of that path. And so I'm hearing you talk about the way in which you approach life and how you're at point A and enjoying point A and knowing that point B will come and you're putting in the work for what you want and you're grateful for what you have and it's you're able. You're living the able life. You're an enabler. Nothing. nothing. <laughs> Carrie, that means a lot. I can't. And I've been told this. People are always like, don't make a joke, just take the compliment. And that's one of the nicest compliments I've ever got. So, so thank you. Oh, well, you're but I am. Like, I don't, I am. <laughs> I, I'm not good. But here's the thing, and I say this all the time. I'm not good at being the other thing. I, I, like, if you wanted me to like, be greedy or, or, or even not even greedy, that's, like, just be like, financially respond. I can't do it. I can't, to quote my brother, I don't know the world is spinning. He's like, how do you say I'm like, I don't know, but I can't. You know, and I, and I don't take it for granted. Like the universe, well, living, it's like I, living that, that way is awful. Living that way is awful. I lived like yeah. that when I was in social justice. It's it destroys people. That's why so many of them have such anger issues and um, you know jealousy and and I think misery and it's just you can't live like that without like in the like Cain did flying into a murderous rage, becoming yeah. just consumed with that darkness, and you can't. That doesn't sustain. So yeah. Anyway, but yeah, you, I uh, I stop by that church like like three or four times a week when the weather's nice, and it's just that's and it's five minutes of just saying, oh my god, thank you, thank you for my health, thank you for my wealth, thank you for my freedom, and, and but I mean it, you know what I mean? Like, and I'll tell you the book. Did you did you ever read? And and I got away. Like don't get wrong, the Bible's great, and I you know I went to Catholic school. I, read, I, I a lot of it was read to me, but I've read books like. The Power of the Subconscious Mind. You ever read that? I never read that one, no. If you're ever bored, it's just listen to listen to it on, it's on YouTube, but it's by Joseph Murphy. But it's it's like, look, I, I say this all the time in my act. And I, you know what? I hate to go, but I'm curious. Like I, I say, I'm a huge, like Jesus wasn't, Jesus wasn't Christian. Buddha wasn't Buddhist. Muhammad wasn't Muslim. They, did I say this? They, they were just three people that were so amazing and loved everyone, everything people followed them. But organized religion, I've just become jaded with that. You know what I mean? Like, like my mother is dying of cancer and she spent her entire life. And, and, and I don't mean, please, I hope this comes off as like, I'm, I'm asking you because I have nothing but love and respect oh, for yeah. you. But it's like, but I was soured in a way because like, all right, my mother, like she was a teacher and she didn't make a lot of money and she tied. She gave 10% of her income of our income to the church. And then while she's dying, you find out, well, we got to give a lot of this money to the uh, priests that were screwing altar boys to be crass in Boston. And that soured me a lot. You know what I mean? Well, that's something wrong. I'm over. Yeah. 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 Well, that's and, corruption. And, and it's also, yeah. th those, that is the worst. I, I was, I was reading about taking the Lord's name in vain in the Bible. Six, the I'm on the phone. Stop smacking the plate. I'm sorry. I was just talking to someone. <laughs> not uh, it's the worst sin. What the, what the people who abuse the faith, 
and and wolves in shepherd's clothing who lead the flock yeah. astray and those who are con artists using cloaking themselves in the word of god it makes me so angry and in the bible it says that is the unforgivable sin god will not forgive taking the lord's and, 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 and i should say this i should say this just to interrupt you i can tell you four priests in my life that were the most amazing people. That be, like when you meet a priest who loves the faith, like they made differences in my life that were just amazing. And I should have said that before I interrupted you. And like one of them was like, you can doubt your faith all you want, good. It'll make yeah. you come back or you won't. And I, I'll never forget Father Lodge told me that. I'm like, and I was like, thank you for, it was, and I, I'm sorry that I interrupted you because I want to hear what you're saying, but I just felt like I, I ended so negative and, and it's not all that, but go on. I'm so sorry, Carrie. The wolf in sheep's clothing you were saying. Oh, yeah. Can you hear my? Can you hear my house? Are talking? No. In the can you hear my cat? Can you hear my cat knocking the plate because <laughs> she needs A T T N T I O N? And she just looks at me like I thought we were talking. I'm insane with her. Anyway, wolf in sheep's no, clothing. I no, just didn't no, want to come no. off like an ungrateful person with, no, with the church it's because it's very good to me. No, what you're talking about is true, and that happens, and that's part of the reason. I think the reason why God despises that sin so much is because it it it's the only sin. It's the sin that keeps people from coming to God because they're out yeah. there offering a false representation of what God is, and that is the worst. It's taking the Lord's name in vain. I don't think it's about cursing. That's just I don't think personally. I think it's no. about that. I think taking the Lord's name in vain is is taking God's name and wrapping a bunch of shit in it like and saying yeah. this is god no that's the worst thing you can do and and that's the reason why i stayed away from god for so long because i had a messed up idea of what of what christ and christianity was about because of what you're talking about corruption but you came religion. back better than yeah. ever and let me pay you the compliment like i'm not being nice like you make me want to be better at god and i opened with that and i mean it. it's like i need to be better yeah. at god because it's not like like i mean it i talk about him in my act you know and i like i know I give him, I give him credit all the time. I do, you know, and I need to be better at it. I don't think I'm bad at it and I, I never deny it. it. I, I, I do think I'm good at it, but you, you make me want to be better at it. I mean that Carrie, and I'm not just saying that it's like, it's like you don't get to, to keep, like I'm realizing it, how much more it's popping up in my act. And I like that. I think my parents would like that. You know what I mean? And I like yeah. that I can say jokes about the Holocaust and they'll be like, but you know, there's a God. They're like, well, how can you? But I can. And I love that. You know, yeah. and you and I think I think I, I, I bother you all the time because I, I I'm like, how about this? You're like, now nah, you're a piece of shit. You got to stop saying that to me. It's mean, Carrie. God gave us laughter for a reason. God gave yeah. us a sense of humor, music, art, the ability to appreciate all. These are all gifts. And that's you know, you are doing, and and not blowing smoke up your ass, you are doing a form of like, that's God's work is make yeah. people laugh. What you talked about physically, even if people don't believe in God, what you're doing physically is you're, you're increasing people's endorphins. They're, they're connecting. They're having that moment that you talked about in the elevator of that human connection where you share something that's meaningful, even after you step yeah. off the elevator, that's beautiful. So it's amazing. Even with it's even with your dick jokes. <laughs> Brilliant dick jokes. Yeah. Oh, and the prophet. You've read the prophet by Khalil Gibran, right? Forgive my no, ignorance. Have, I haven't. Are you? Are, look at me. You're too smart to have not. It would take it would take you ten minutes, eight without the hat, to read that book. It's an okay. epic poem. Read the prophet. You would love it. I always say this. It's the cliff notes of every religious book. It's better than the Bible, the Torah, the Quran. I honestly think that it, it just 
there are lines in it that blow that blow me away, and it t- it will take you an hour to read it. I'm gonna put uh-huh. it on my list. So, Gino Bisconti, tell people where they can find you if they're if they haven't already checked out your show. Where can they find you? Where can they find your show? Um, GinoBisconti.com for all the links, but Compound Media. Dot com. It's uh, where I am, where Chrissy Mare is, where Anthony Cumia is. And it's it's like I'm not trying to, to you know, to to I don't even know, like to champion. But it's the last place to actually find free speech. It is like when I was like, I'm older. So it's like, why would I pay for anything on the Internet for seven bucks a month? You get all this programming that you're never going to see on Fallon, Kimmel, all these shows that are just woke and clapter and annoying. And it's compoundmedia.com in hot water and, and all that stuff. But ginobiscani.com. Cool. And we're going to have all that below the video in the descriptions. So you guys can click on it there. Thank you so much, Gino, for hanging out with me tonight. And thanks for showing me your cat. I had a terrible time. You're the best. <laughs> Thank you so much. You're the best. Thank you. Have a good night. Okay, I'm going to roll this video. Uh, all right, boom. Boom. <laughs>